Welcome TTV community. I am Bob Demenner, and here with me as always is the overtaxed Elliot Shibley. Overtaxed? Yeah, dude, you're working too hard, man. You got to slow it down a little bit. <sighs> Work hard and play a little bit. <laughs> you play never. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, uh, I appreciate what you do for the Traveler's Blueprint. Thank you. I, I appreciate the Traveler's Blueprint and what you do as well. No, thank you. All right. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider donating. We have our Patreon set up. It is newly revamped, and there are three tiers in which you can donate to. Uh, tier one is just a dollar a month, which you will get uh, some kind of small thing, like maybe a sticker with our logo on it. Tier three is, sorry, wow. Tier two is three bucks a month, and you'll get like a cool travel mug. And then tier three, which is like, if you really want to help us, like if you're our mom and you want like a hoodie and that's 10 bucks a month and it just goes towards helping us do all of what we do. Yeah. Yep. All right. So today's guest, she is an extensive traveler. That's putting it lightly. Uh, she has been everywhere and she is a very meticulous uh, researcher and organizer. And so we got along very well. We had a great conversation. Uh, our conversation, although touched up on a lot of aspects of her travel, like her research and her budgeting, we sort of zoned in on one um, trip in particular, and that was her journey through China, west up into Mongolia, and then ultimately Russia. It was a very interesting conversation, and I think one of what will eventually be many, because as she continues to travel, we're probably going to reach out again. So... Without further introduction, please give it up for our next guest, Carly Hayward. Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Carly, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. So, thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. So to catch everybody up, so I met you through one of the travel groups on Facebook, Travel Community. I think it's the one through Scott's Cheap Flights. It is. So I posted something asking for help on which trip actually Elliot and I may yes. take. And it was between um, China, like starting in Beijing and moving west into China. Mm -hmm. It was going from Argentina and south and maybe going into Antarctica. And then the third one was doing um, Israel, Egypt. Egypt, yeah. And... Uh, Petra, uh, Jordan. Jordan. <clears throat> so you had commented on that on that post and said that you recently did China, but not only did you do China, you went up into Mongolia and then Russia. Yes, which actually I, I did just, all of those trips. <laughs> you've done all of them. I've done all those trips. But uh, the one that I pushed the most was the Trans-Siberian one. Right. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, mm -hmm. Because as soon as you said like Mongolia and Russia, I was incredibly intrigued. And then you provided your website, which I went on and then was even more blown away because you've been everywhere. How many countries have you been to? Uh, 67 as of yesterday. Oh, very so, cool. So Jamaica was your 67th country? It was. Jamaica was a little more chill than I normally do. I usually do trips. Like Mongolia uh, and Russia. This was a vacation. This <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. please leave me alone. Where's my Mai Tai? Did I bring sunscreen <laughs> vacation? Versus like wake up at seven, go, 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 do something all day, every day. So normally I lose like six to 10 pounds on a trip. This one I gained like six pounds in like five days. So yeah. This so it all evens vacation. out. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so I went to your website and one, it's awesome. What I really liked about it was how you separated the budgets. So you did it by country and then you had a nice, it's like a pie chart showing how much you spent in each country sometimes. And then you would even give insight like, you know, if you wanted to get a little bit more luxurious, you could do something like this. If you wanted to skimp out even more, you could do something like this. And so it was, it's, it was really helpful. Um, I think I got a lot of information just from the few countries that I did look at. Do you have all 67 posted on there? No. Oh my gosh. I would have zero life if I did that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and sometimes a lot, like, a lot of those countries, yeah, a lot of those countries were before I became a blogger. So I didn't really have any like real information. So I just kind of like started, I don't think I started my blog until I hit country 50. So it's really been moderately recently. Um, Still and had 17 some of those, countries since then. <laughs> yeah. And, well, maybe it was a little earlier than that, but yeah, some of them, um, 
was when I was young and I took like really terrible pictures, like quality pictures and also um, just of stupid stuff. Like, look at this cat or like, I can drink a beer, you know? And so now I'm kind of elevated and I'm trying for more artsy stuff. And yeah, I'm Bob a, and I are still in the, let's take a picture of this beer. Yeah, I do that. I mean, I still do, but um, yeah. you know, you want to try and shake it up and you want to give people what they want. And so I've noticed that a lot of people, I felt like I wasn't like glamorous enough, glamorous enough to be a blogger because they're always like wearing dresses. I'm like yoga pants, sweatshirts, like that's me. Um, but I've since got a long flowy skirt that I put on over my yoga pants, take my pictures and then take it off immediately. And <laughs> I, I'm convinced that that's what, that's what most of them do. Yeah, because, I thought, like, who's hiking? Because I went yeah. to Mexico with a Mexican blogger, and I took these pictures of him, and he took pictures of me, but he was just trooping around and whatever, and I had to, like, do this whole dress change thing and, like, jewelry and everything, and I was like, this is stupid. But <laughs> the pictures <laughs> are pretty good, so, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's sort of what gives them their appeal, too. It's like, you know, look at this mountain. Look at this woman. She's on the summit of some mountain, and there she is in, like, this perfect little polka dot dress and it's like it, it kind of catches your eye in a different way but mm -hmm. I don't know it's still yeah it's and it takes some planning too because you're like well what color would complement you know where you're going and kind of provide a contrast so I went to Jamaica with my girl and uh, I brought a red skirt and uh, hiked up a waterfall with a skirt wrapped around my neck and you're just climbing and the <laughs> water's like waist deep and I'm like I'm gonna get that picture and I came out awesome and I still have my fake lashes from the trip for you know <laughs> I don't normally the life of a travel here. blogger yeah yeah versus the train trip on the Transmongolian one I did it was like pajamas actually I have so I'm a nerd but I make these little like shutterfly books of my trips mm -hmm. oh that's and, awesome and, yeah there's you have to wait until they're on unlimited pages because otherwise <laughs> who could afford it uh so <laughs> on one of the days I was just sitting on the train and I was just having a relaxing day in my pajamas because you don't get off the train for several days and uh someone brought a cat on 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 board and uh i had a great time playing with this kitty cat which i now wish i had earmarked for later but well so yeah. you were on the train for several several days well all right so first let's backtrack a little bit yeah you're getting away getting ahead of yourself bob you always do I know, kitty I know. In my, this is how i normally look this is my natural yeah. habitat <laughs> Wait, so, so that was on the train? Yeah, comic book pajamas and kitty cat. Comic book pajamas, kitty cat, and that looks like a very comfortable train. It does. It looks it like something out of Dr. Seuss. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, like during the day, you have um, seats, and then at night, the, the beds fold up. So first, how did you get into travel like this? Um, my family traveled a lot when I was younger, just around the state. My mom was my stepfather's like secretary, and so she would plot his business trips. And there was a whole slew of kids, so it was much cheaper to just drag us along with free housing, you know, and they just had to pay for food. Uh, so we got into traveling that way. And then I studied abroad in Australia uh, for school and college, and I made a lot of friends. And after college, I graduated and took myself on a little graduation trip. And I stayed with a bunch of people that I met in Australia, all around Europe. And then um, that's the only way, you know, I could have afforded it at the time was staying with people. And then I just really enjoyed it. And then it kind of became my thing and everyone got married and had babies. And I'm like, well, what else am I supposed to do at home over the summer? So just I'll go to Europe for nine weeks. Like, why, why wouldn't you? So do you travel alone often? Most of the time, yeah. I try and travel with people, but it's hard to get people with enough uh, time and money. Right. Um, I right, yeah. live very... I budget myself, which is why I put my budget somewhere on my trips, on my blogs, uh, because I, I'm very open, too open about talking about my finances and what I do to earn money, what I do to spend money and uh, where it all goes during the month at home. So that way when I travel, it's just like whatever I want because you know? it's more expensive to go back than it is to just buy it when you want it. Yeah. Your your openness with your finances is it turns it translates to a very informative uh, website and so so first what is your website tell tell everybody what your website it's flytotheeducator.com uh, because I'm a full time teacher and so my thing is like let me teach you how to travel like if I can do it on a teacher's budget because you know we're not paid enough uh, then people with their <laughs> other true. nine to five because <laughs> a lot of people quit their jobs to travel and I was like well that'd be great but I like having home I like 
a place yeah. to keep all my Shutterfly books and my cat and my regular books. And I like having a comfortable bed and stuff like that. But I also like to travel. So I don't think you have to choose. I think you can have both. And then, um, so that's why I post my actual money because people, as I tell my students, like show, don't tell. And I think it's important for things to be more objective and subjective. And rather than saying, oh, this is cheap or this is expensive, be like, it was $5 for a Coke here. That's expensive. Or it was 50 cents, you know, here. So people can make their own decisions if they think it's cheap or expensive. And I'm a mid-range traveler, but I have like splurges. Like one night I spent the night at a hostel with a hole in the floor toilet for $16. And the next night I was at the Marina Bay Sands for $400. So, you know, whatever floats my boat, I do it. But I mean, you're, you're, I, I love the layout. And so... I, I just clicked on Peru because it's a country that Elliot and I recently visited. So once you click on Peru, you get, you know, my Peru budget. And then you have, what type of chart is that? Is it a pie chart? It's right? a pie chart. Yeah. Okay. And like so that. you spend 21% of your money on activities, 20% on accommodations, 2% on souvenirs, 40% on transportation, and 7% on fees. And then you can scroll down a little bit and it tells you, um, so your accommodations total is three hundred and twenty-one dollars and twenty-nine cents. You're you're very detail-oriented with this, and and even <clears throat> if I travel with someone, I do it as if I was by myself because sometimes people don't have someone to split the cost with. So it's like this is literally how much it was cost. And yeah. sometimes I do get stuff for free as a blogger, so I still include that price in there. If someone wants to recreate my trip, what would it cost? So yeah, right. I put to the penny as best I can with you know conversions and everything. Yeah, and. And you have I used to include of... flights, but uh, people come from varying places in the world, so that right. felt negligible. So I felt yeah, yeah, that's right. You rented a car there? Yeah. Nine Ooh. hours a day. Well, did you drive? No, my ex did. He he insisted. I was like, oh lord, I don't know if I can oh. handle it. But well, you live to tell about it. Yeah, actually, I feel like I should do a whole post just on driving down there because they're pretty wild. They kind of use the lines as like guidelines rather than rules. And you can get like four people on a two-lane road, but uh, no one ever hits anyone. They all just kind of find their place. It was a little nerve-wracking, but I feel like now that I've done Peru, I feel like I can drive anywhere. So driven all over this summer, not to brag, $800 in speeding tickets in Europe. So. <laughs> look out for that post not looking so with those i i'll have to ask because i think the last time i was in germany that most of their speeding tickets were automated just photos is that still the case uh well i got two in latvia within an hour you know so would have been nice if i saw a camera or a cop because i probably would have not said anymore um and then the big one was in um switzerland it was like 270 dollars for one ticket for like five kilometers over or something and then also the car rental places put a fee on it so sometimes the fees are more than the ticket so that uh, was not fun (laughs) so this is one thing we should research since we're a travel podcast but do you actually have to pay those if you're not living in that country because the reason i ask my my parents visited me when i was studying abroad in bonn germany and my dad got a speeding ticket and did he pay to be determined (laughs) (laughs) that feels like that was a long time ago (laughs) this is six years ago well um well i paid one because i didn't have a choice even though i low-key canceled all my credit cards when i got home just in case they still went through so not sure what sort of voodoo magic they use and then uh the swiss one i had the choice to pay but i didn't want it to impact my ability to go back to europe even though they're not part of the EU, they have some stuff. And it was a pretty official looking letter with, it was all explained in French on the back, which was unhelpful. Very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, can I go speak French, like numbers, colors? But, you know, From what I understand, <clears throat> um, it, it only would be an issue if you wanted to go back to the country. Mm-hmm. So, which is why I was willing to not pay a parking ticket that I got in Israel. Right. right. Oh, God, this podcast is like, Carly's a terrible driver. <laughs> but all the signs were in Hebrew, and I'm sorry, but I don't speak Hebrew. Um, but the the one in Switzerland, I really didn't want to pay it. Obviously, it was really expensive, but I sped, you know, did the crime, do the time. So right. Yeah, I yeah. And I'm a teacher. I have to be, you know, the voice of reason and oh, I don't have to follow the rules. Well, I guess that's our uh, PSA for this episode is know that most 
traffic cams and speed radar in Europe is by camera, not by police officer. That is true. And there's a lot of rules. Yeah, I've, I've been reading about it um, for Italy because I'm planning a trip there now. And apparently you can't drive in most of the, the there's city There's a lot centers. of areas, yeah, that you can't right. drive in and they don't tell you that and they don't let you know when you've crossed the boundaries. So you have to be very careful driving in Italy. Yeah, I think I'm going to not do it. Um, <laughs> Wait, be I very careful with the trains because every time I've gone to Italy, they've been on strike and I've been three times. And I've, oh, great. It took me three right. times to get to Pompeii. Oh, yeah, I can really, maybe just walk. Yeah, I'm gonna have a two-year-old, but uh, all right, that's that's nice. You got shoulders. I do, I do. I can carry her. Um, no, I think I'm the only time I'm gonna rent a car is when I get to Florence because I want to go out into the Tuscan countryside. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I'll rent a car, do that whole thing, and then go back to Florence, take the train. I think it's mostly Rome. when you're in Rome, you have to worry about it. I think in the the smaller, even the medium cities, you should be fine. Okay. All right. Yeah, I may. Uh, well, I'm definitely going to look on your website as I as I plan that trip. So another question I have before we get into your China, Mongolia, Russia. Um, Which I keep derailing. Sorry. Hey. <laughs> See what you did there. I, I'm going to take it that you are a very detail oriented planner compared to a winget traveler. Um, it depends. It depends. Sometimes I have embarrassing spreadsheets that are color coded by day and activity and payment and where I booked it and everything. And then sometimes um, I don't. Sometimes okay. I book my hotel the night of. Yeah. When I went to Argentina, um, it was uh, the summer that I had my brother's flight benefits, which I, I had for one year. And I didn't know if I was going to make the flight to Argentina, so I didn't want to book anything. So I waited until I was on the plane and then I was like booking everything. And then sometimes I just kind of float around. I think one summer I just had a bus pass and I just kind of like floated from city to city. Just if I wanted to stay, I did. And if I didn't, I moved along. And But when I did Scotland this summer, I was like very like go, 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 go. Because I wanted to see all these things. I wanted to do all the outlander places and I wanted to do a bunch. So I did that. And then for the Trans-Mongolian trip, bringing it back, I actually signed up for a tour that I felt was a good mix of relaxed and planned because I didn't really feel like dealing with the logistics of train travel in Russia and Mongolia and China. And I was, you know, because I've studied six languages, but they're all romantic in nature, so it would be difficult for me to navigate uh, the system. And I didn't really feel like learning the Cyrillic alphabet because there's like numbers in there. You know? In which alphabet? The Cyrillic alphabet, the Russian alphabet. There's like sevens and sixes and as a as a letter. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. Like I just wanted to so the, the tour company I went with was called Vodka Train, which is hilarious and <laughs> applicable. Yeah. And uh, what they did is it's much cheaper because they don't have a tour guide with you the whole time. This the tour guide um, picks you up at the train station, takes you around the stops, and then drops you back off at the train station and then you're on your own until the next stop. So don't miss your stop. <laughs> Oh. The whole trip was like two weeks. Interesting. Can we, well, can you expand on what you were talking about with your brother's airfare benefits? Uh, well, I'm not supposed to use them for business, but uh, so it was for fun. But uh, my brother is a pilot for Delta and uh, he gets one companion because he was single and I was, well, I had a boyfriend at the time, but he never let me use them. That was a whole thing. But now were over and I was on my brother's benefits and then I'm able to like if there's empty seats I get to be in them oh, Very okay so so is that how that works so if you have a family member that works for an airline you can get a free it has to be like a vertical family member like a parent or a child gotcha. I was horizontal so I'm sister so I didn't get any benefits except oh. that he didn't have a travel companion so he named me his travel companion and then he met a wonderful girl who he's marrying in April and so now she is his companion and you know how much I like her because I'm not resentful of the fact that yeah <laughs> yeah, they, yeah that's, that's true like, yeah if she listens to this she'll know yeah <laughs> memory I love you I'm sorry but uh I have one and a half more years of teaching until I invested in my pension and then I'm planning on getting my own benefit so that's nice my plan very nice nice yeah life of travel it's what we all want right it is it is it's why we're doing this um, I would love to one day be able to just travel somewhere and not have to plan it um, <laughs> down to the hour. Like, I would love to just go somewhere and, you know, go to Florence and say, you know what, when I'm ready to leave, I'll move on. 
and that's uh, what's cool about the standby thing because although israel didn't care for it because they're like when are you leaving i'm like i don't know <laughs> like where are you going tonight mm, who nope. knows <laughs> how long yeah. are you gonna be here what are you gonna see i don't know like jerusalem's a thing you know i'm gonna go there and walled in city yeah <laughs> so all right so for china russia and mongolia we're gonna get to this yes um <laughs> i've i've multiple questions on china, on mongolia and russia but let's you started with china take us through the the beginning of the trip uh well i started off in beijing um because i found a cheap flight out there and also the dates worked with when I was able to get my visa and I take students abroad as another thing that I do. And I had to get back from that before I could leave for this one. Um, so what I normally do is I just search like where I am to where I want to go, obviously. And then I look for common layovers and then I search that layover to the place. And it's usually cheaper for me to take another like flight, like a Southwest flight or, you know, a, a shorter, cheaper flight to the place. So it was going to be like, I don't know, $1,200 to go from Atlanta to Beijing, but it was $5 and some points to go up to Toronto and then uh, $300 to go from Toronto to Beijing. So Whoa, okay, hold on. Let me make sure I understood what you just said. So, <clears throat> Good, I mean, I understood it completely. <laughs> There's another article on my site about this. Okay, good. Yeah, this is this is good. So, so what you said was, if you were to take a direct flight from Atlanta to Beijing, or even a direct flight that had, or a, one with a layover or two, out of Atlanta, it was going to be let's just say twelve hundred dollars. I don't, I don't know if that was yeah, the actual number. one way. One way. One $1, way. Twelve hundred dollars one way from Atlanta to Beijing with a layover. So you take that information and you find what a layover flight. I look for the common layover codes um, out of Atlanta, or I'll that? search like I'll look for like United States to China, and I'll just like look at where are they starting, but also where are they having to stop. So that means like if everyone's going through Toronto, that means there's a strong flight from Toronto to Beijing. And then I just search the layover to the destination. And then so obviously that's direct, that's nonstop. And then I look for cheap flights to get up there. So for example, going home, I searched Russia to everywhere. And I was like, just get me somewhere close to America. And it was $300 to go from Russia to Cuba. And then I used my flight points to go from Cuba to Atlanta. It was like $5 and like 11,000 points. And wow. then I had an extra four day trip in Cuba. And then I had an extra three-day trip in Niagara Falls in Toronto before I left. So it's like a bonus vacation. I need to uh, take some courses on this. Well, she has it on her website. <laughs> yeah, you have to have the extra time is the thing. Like, so when I go for spring yeah, break, I'm like, I'm not dealing with that nonsense. I'm like, let me go. Because one time I, it took me like 36 hours to get somewhere. And I only had a week at that place. And I was like, why did I do that? And then it's really stressful because like, what if you miss a flight? And, you know, so I only do that for my, my longer trips. Okay. I just learned something now. So I did too. That's, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's, what, that's the information you get when you go to 67 countries. Yeah, because I, yeah. I wouldn't have been able to afford it. Everyone thinks that I'm like dropping all this money and I'm like, I'm not. Right. Now, do you do, you do like uh, the whole credit card point thing? I just kind of got into that. I'm nervous to try the point churning thing where you like buy gift cards with your credit card and then you use your gift cards to buy money orders and then your money orders to pay off your credit card so that way you're spending money but replacing it so you're just like churning through points and everything but i, I haven't fully gotten into it because it makes me nervous i don't really know uh, yeah. about that either there's, yeah. like, there's a whole facebook community about <laughs> yeah, it we... so i kind of like poke in there i'm like what are you guys up to yeah <laughs> but it's yeah. like opening pandora's box we're having uh the guy who runs the award travel 101 facebook yeah. group on our podcast in november so that would be cool okay, yeah we did one like a year ago with this guy ian agrimis who talked us through just the basics of like you know which cards to get and things like that but there there's like this whole system behind it and people, people forget there's like micro fees in there too so it's like right. you do have to factor those in but mm -hmm. I, one of my, my i had a disney credit card that i have and it lets me redeem my points for any um airline and i like that one because it was a darth vader credit card so everyone's like nice here's your happy meal i'm like darth vader and they're like oh wow this girl mm. so i'm like that's my flight uh but i did get the delta credit card so i can get um because when i had my summer of benefits i got 
first class to Argentina round trip twice, like Delta one lay flat seats and everything. So then I'm going to Antarctica this summer and I was, this winter and I was like, I can't do coach down there again, you know? So I got the credit cards to get the point. And then now I I just upgraded to the Chase Sapphire reserve. I should have done it when it was like a hundred thousand points, but that one uh, has been nice because I just got global entry yesterday, actually, and points lounge. So I had this like big daiquiri before my flight. So I was just like having the best day. So that's the fun credit card. But yeah, I have the uh, the Chase Sapphire Preserve right now, mm-hmm. which is kind of like it's the like base metal. level. It is. So it's I'm a like, metal credit card. Yeah, it's I'm pretty rich. cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah. You always just want to take it out and spend yeah. money on it. But, um, all right, all right. So we got, we got a little bit into the trip. We we, we did, all right. So once I got to China, um, I was only there for a couple of days, just enough to see like the, you know, the big sites. And then we hopped on the train and we were off. The the company I I went with uh, told us a lot of things to expect. Um, So one of the things is there's a six to eight hour gap between crossing in from China to Mongolia because, they have to change the wheels. Um, so China, like the bogies. So like these wheels at the bottom, mm-hmm. they are different size tracks. So Russia did it because they didn't want other people to be able to use their railways during wartime. Oh, it's so a Russia thing to like, do. It is a Russia thing. They just kind of have arbitrary size. And then Mongolia, of course, is different. And then China, I think, might be the same as Russia. Anyways, you have to change both times going out of in and out of Mongolia. It takes six to eight hours and you're not allowed to use the bathroom the whole time. And I have an embarrassing story. I don't know if I'm willing to tell it, but you're allowed to tell it. (laughs) I think, I think, I don't know. (laughs) Suffice to say I had uh, some tunicular issues during this time where I was not able to use the bathroom and I was forced to use a plastic bag as a diaper in uh, one of the empty carriages. Uh, <laughs> you, you can't so, have been the first. Well, yeah, I have a lot of embarrassing tummy times. So. <laughs> I didn't tell anybody that day though. I just like disappeared for a little bit and then came back looking like, <laughs> No, were you alone on this trip? Uh, with people I knew, yes, but I was on a tour group with like seven other people that were doing the same route okay. as me. And then, um, you know, so they all just held it for six to eight hours. Like, how how is that even possible? I mean, I guess they used it before they got there, like before we got to that point, which would have been smart. And I feel like I remember trying, but I didn't have to. But my stomach's like, is this inconvenient? Okay, I have to go now. I'm like, no. (laughs) What a dumb rule. Like, how do you expect people to not go to the bathroom for six to eight hours? Especially when you're supposed to be like sleeping. Um, and then. The next one was a little more intense. It was during the day. And then there was also like really cute dogs. You're not allowed to pet to see if you're carrying drugs and stuff. I'm like, no, hugs, not drugs, but I'm not allowed to touch them. <laughs> and then they're like looking around and I'm like, you know, Priviet, this is a stupid American with her baby Russian. And they're like, <laughs> giving you the Russian look. Yeah. I used to live with a Russian, so I, I knew a couple of words. And then, uh, then we went to Mongolia, went to Ulaanbaatar, which has more A's than any word rightfully should. And uh, we get there and we found out that they don't really have taxis there. They just have people who decide they'll stop for you and you just have to give them money. You know, if really? you want to so, Yeah. So can you get into like some detail of what it was like entering Mongolia? Like it, it, this is a country that you don't really hear of many people visiting. You don't. Um, well, it's part of the Gobi Desert. Gobi actually means desert. So it's the desert desert. Hmm. So you think the Germans probably named it, I guess. <laughs> But uh, I, I was right. You lived in Germany. I did too. By the way, so, that's where I. I lived in Rotenburg, town in Bavaria. Okay. Yeah. Postcard town. Um, but so Mongolia is really flat. Uh, very flat. And then just lots of like kind of sparse grass, and then you'll just start seeing like goats all the time and donkeys. So is it is it primarily like undeveloped? I know like horseback riding is a big thing there. What's the main thing. city? It, or you already Ulan said Ulaanbaatar is the capital. Okay. It's like. U L A A N B A A T A A. And is maybe that, that last? The last one was only on one day, I think. Is that what everybody does? Just goes to the city and then maybe does some like horseback riding in the country and then. Uh yeah, I mean, um, I mean, if you're going to Mongolia, there's like festivals and stuff. There's the big Genghis Khan statue you can climb up into. Um, oh wow, they actually 
they love a him. monument for that guy really they love him he was horrible well he's the mongol you know yeah, yeah. But he's like such a dick. remember in china in uh, mulan they're like now all of china knows you're here and he's like good like you, you invited know, me with this wall like he was like a ba you know yeah. do, do you know uh dan carlin's hardcore history podcast Mm-mm. highly recommend it i think it would be right up your alley so this guy has a a man a, like a six-part series on the mongols specifically the kangas khan specifically kangas khan's rule and it's like a six parts each part might be like three to five hours each it's an incredible podcast i have not listened to it all um but like kangas khan killed so many people that they say that he he also impregnated a lot of people so it's like that but he killed so many people that he offset the carbon footprint of the planet (laughs) Yeah. No, I think he just evened it out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think without, there's something about like 90% of them have Genghis Khan uh, DNA in them. And then yeah. they spell it like Chingus over there, but I grew up saying Genghis. Chingus Khan, yeah. Uh, My cat's name is Timujin, Timujin, which is actually his real name. Um, oh, yeah. Like a Mongolian huh. Timothy? Is that yeah. what it is? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but he, I think he was so successful because he would conquer a, a town and then redistribute that population to a different location within his rule. So he would he would take over this village, and by take over, I mean walk in, rape, destroy, murder everybody. The people that lived, he would then relocate to a new location within his kingdom. So they were completely um, new to that location and had no idea, you know, they didn't know anything about that new environment. And so they would be more inclined to just assimilate back into his empire. Hmm. And so that's how he was so successful with just taking over, I mean, like all of Asia, right? He made it all the way to Europe. Yeah, he, yeah. he went bananas far. Yeah. But so also like, to be fair, like what day did we celebrate yesterday? I know, oh yeah, no, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the two wrongs don't make it right. We <laughs> <laughs> don't have yeah. a history of super choosing our historical idols very well. That's true, right. That's right. true. Right. right. Well, so you know how the US has like six degrees of separation from Kevin Bacon? Mm-hmm. I think Mongolia has like one degree of separation yeah. from Genghis Khan. That's probably fair. So they have a lot of stuff. They love him. I mean, yeah, he might not have been the best one, but he was he was the best at what he did, you know. Yeah. Something for Which that. Which was raping and murdering. Well, everyone needs hobbies, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Those wouldn't be my first choices. Yeah. So um, so all right. So uh, you see the statue. We also went to um cashmere they're really into cashmere we went to cashmere factory and saw how that was done and like music and they had like this like throat ululations or like oh you know singing that i can't do because i'm not trained in it yeah. uh so there's a lot of stuff to do and there's like big eagles like really big eagles that they used to hunt with and they have big competitions and don't they hunt wolves with those as well the the big eagles i think there was yeah. like a david attenborough or someone else that was just like a short little clip of these guys using, I think they're golden eagles. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Yeah. To actually hunt down like Mongolian wolves. Wow. Oh, dang. Yeah, I know the golden eagle is the biggest eagle in yeah. the world, I believe. That's cool. Just side tangent. Yeah. All right. So, so Mongolia, did you like it overall? Recommend? I did. Okay. I, you know, I went horseback riding, obviously, and then we stayed in yurt. So, like, those are the things. And they have cool temples and stuff there. They have these cute little marmot sort of weasel creatures, which were adorable. And uh, it was a good time. The, the Mongolian horses were really small, though, and I'm pretty tall. And I felt kind of bad because they were, like, shorter than me. And I'm used to horses that are, like, this tall. Yeah, yeah. I was like, are you okay, buddy? Okay. <laughs> and they don't feed them anything they're like oh they'll figure it out you know they're like they got to learn to fend for themselves so in the winter time yeah and then uh they move their yurts around all the time so they still have a nomadic lifestyle and they can when it's cold they move over here to be in the lee of the mountains you know from the winds and the snows and in the summers they come out more in the plains so they still do all that and the government's like you know have fun Hmm. and were they accepting of tourists overall Oh, yeah, they were so friendly. Um, yeah, I didn't feel uncomfortable at all, just like random strangers, because we had some free time where we could just like walk around the city and everyone was really nice. I mean, obviously, tourists, you know, <laughs> and they were like, hi, welcome, what do you want? Try this. And of course, we got to try that Mongolian barbecue. 
uh, oh, which is good. good, including some horse, which I felt bad about eating, but I like to try weird foods when I try. Oh, I'm gonna so. try horse. Yeah, I do. I'm interested. Probably have. It was gamey. Yeah, yeah, gamey. Which is good because I wouldn't want it to be delicious. Because, like I said, I love horses, and I wouldn't be like. I love horses. All right, so so you leave Mongolia and you take the train into Russia. Now, I'm curious about this one because I heard that it's extremely hard for an American to get a visa to visit Russia. So it was hard for both of them, for China and Russia. There was no visa free for Mo- Mongolia for Americans. Okay. Okay. Can you walk us through the process and the like your timeline for China and for Russia? Yes, because originally I was supposed to do this the trip the year before, but I wasn't going to be able to get my visas in time, so I had to postpone it because I couldn't send off my passport because I needed it. So that's my bad. But uh, so when I did, I did the Chinese one first because I heard it took longer, and I put together all the stuff that they need, and they need like specific details. But my tour company did the like the letter that said that I'm going on a tour with them, and here's the hotels I'm staying at. I'm going to be on this train. This is the day I'm exiting. I'm sorry. Can you hear my cat? <laughs> um, right. I'm exiting and, and, and it was all taken care of. And so I had to send it all off to a friend that lives in the city um, with the embassy. That's for my, my area. And uh, then they took care of it and they picked it up for me and then they mailed it back to me. So I did that instead of having to pay like an extra like $150, $200 for a visa service. I just was like, who do I know in Houston? <laughs> Please hmm. do this for me. <laughs> And then for Russia, it was the same thing. But for Russia, they want you to name every country that you've been to uh, and the date of travel. And I was like, point of order, uh, this is my 50th country and my third passport. So how many pages do you have? (laughs) Uh, And they said just whatever was in the passport that I was applying with was fine. I was like, thank God. And then, of course, I had to fill that out like four times because I forgot to save and then it crashed. And then... Yeah, so that's t- that took a hot minute, but the, again, I had another friend. This is a different city. I think this one was DC, and you had to get, you had to get a picture with it. And my picture was so terrible. I think it was like sick that day, but I was really convinced that I looked cute anyway. And I took the picture, and it was so bad. I was like, I'm so ugly. They're not gonna let me in their country, and they're gonna like look at the pictures, and they're like, because my old passport picture was actually kind of cute, and then that picture was like really ugly, and they're gonna be like, no, it's not you. I'm like, it's me. See. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it was actually a big deal. Um, but then, yeah, I sent that up to my friend in D.C. And then he, again, dropped it off and mailed it back to me just to save some money. Because it was expensive. I think the visas total for those were like at least two or $300 for both of them. Wow. Okay. Each, yeah. each one? Total, I think. Total. Both. Okay, total. Okay. It's on my budget post. I okay. can't remember now. And then what would you say, like, from inception of starting to – fill out the applications for the visas to actually getting your visa? How long did it take? Not as long as I was anticipating, um, because I think I ended up not going on a spring break trip that year just in case I could get them back in time. And I think I got the China one back in like two weeks and then uh, the Russia one in like two or three weeks. Okay. So that was what sucked is like I had to get it and then I sent it away again. I had to get it. Okay. So, okay, so you cross the border into Russia. Change, and I, your, change your rails again. Change yeah. your rails, six no, to eight hours, try not to pee. Time. I was a big girl. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, know, I know Mongolia sits on the southeastern border of Russia. Mm-hmm. Russia is gigantic. And I know all the good stuff's on the northwestern side of Russia, right? Well, it depends on what you mean by all the good stuff. Well, yeah, yeah, Bob, the, what do you mean by that? I'm sorry, the yeah. more pop, like like Moscow and uh, Moscow, St. Petersburg. Petersburg to the west, but uh, well, I went to like Baikal, which was oh, one of the reasons yes. I picked this tour, deepest lake in the world. It's so uh, freshwater seals. Too. Yeah, so I'm unfamiliar with that. So, um, so I went there. Okay, it, and yeah, go on, go on, explain. And then we uh, we also got to go to like a, a blacksmith shop and we got to like actually like bang and like make things. So I made a little necklace, which was wow. cool. 
And then uh, we, there's a really cool museum there that lets you see this whole exhibit about like how deep it is, and, like what the water's like. And you, they have like this whole bank of microscopes. So you can like look at the sand, which looks like multicolored crystals, like reds and oranges and blues and green. But when you look at it, it looks yellow. But through the microscope, it's all these pretty colors, which is cool. Um, Wait, and this is the deepest freshwater lake in the world? Mm-hmm. And what is it called? Lake Baikal. Yeah, lake Baikal. Baikal. It's like B-A-I-K-A-L. Yeah. Hmm. And then, Look it up, uh, Bob. It's really cool. It's I by will. like Irkutsk yeah. to the east. It's not quite all the way because the, the true, okay, so the Trans-Siberian is um, St. Pete to Vladivostok, like all the way to the east of Russia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. kind of like near the border with mm-hmm. North Korea. Yeah. And it's by the water. Yeah. And then I did the Trans-Mongolian, which was uh, Beijing to Moscow, but then I added on St. Petersburg myself. Okay. So okay, so you ended up go going out to St. Petersburg. Yeah, like I'm going to go that far and not go like <laughs> right. two more so, hours. <laughs> when, when we were talking about this, I, mean, I was looking up the Trans-Siberian Railway, and there's actually not just one route, but the main portion of it is from like Irkutsk to... Uh, I don't know, Novgorod in Russia, like that's the straightest mm-hmm. part. And then once it gets there, it splits to Moscow and St. Petersburg. There's and- also a, like a Yekaterinburg kind of in the middle, which was the next big city that we stopped at very briefly. Yes, yeah. And then to the east, along the uh, like China, Japan, Mongolia, it splits to go into Mongolia and China and then mm-hmm. all the way to Russia. And then from China, it actually goes all the way down to Singapore. Yeah. But those are just connecting train routes. They're not necessarily right. part the of the Right, the true classic one is, yeah, is uh, Trans-Siberian is across Trans-Siberia. So that's St. Pete to Vladivostok, and then Trans-Mongolian goes through Mongolia. But I usually say Trans-Siberian just because I did go through Siberia, and people aren't as familiar with Mongolian, so. Well, all right, so, so Siberia is just a nickname for Eastern Russia. Pretty that- much. Okay. Super gold, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's less populated area. They have a lot of uh, like camps and stuff there. That's where they would banish people. Tigers too. Oh yeah. yeah. I don't know how they would live there. Siberian tiger. Yeah, yeah. They live out in that snow. Mm-hmm. I have a Siberian tiger right here. One, I'm. I think it's very cool that that you now know that you can take a train from Saint Petersburg across Russia and then all the way down to. Singapore. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty cool trip that someone could do. I think I saw one and actually you can start in like London. You can. Like the longest like rail journey you can take I think is London all the way down to Singapore. Mm-hmm. I have a board game called Ticket to Ride which Love is. Love that game. Yep, yeah I played it yeah. as well. I played it on the train. Wow meta. Um, yeah <laughs> I like to do that kind of stuff. I like I don't know I'm a nerd but I'm like oh I've been there and then well, one thing I have wanted to ask, and I've been wondering, is how long is the actual journey from for the Trans-Mongolian Beijing to Moscow? Like, if I didn't get off the train ever? If you didn't get off the train, but like a typical tour, like with expected stops and detours. It took about two weeks um, to include stops in was it, Mongolia for three days and Irkutsk for three days and um moscow for like three days and then the longest that we were on the train non-stop was three days and that was from Rakutsi to ekaterinburg three days on a train just hanging no out. showers no showers <laughs> just those wet wipes. three days holy mm-hmm. isn't that an irish shower yeah and then you got to make sure you bring snacks and there's people like on the train platforms a lot that sell snacks and like little, like fresh little, um, like steamed buns, which were really good to try. Um, so it wasn't hard to get like good food and there's a food car and there's like a, um, like an alcohol car and they had Budweiser. Hmm. So how did this uh, trip fare compared to, you know, other trips that you've taken throughout the world? And, you know, overall, what did you think of China and Russia primarily? Um, China was, one of the more difficult countries to navigate uh, because there weren't a lot of signs in English and 
um, you know, when you're in a foreign country, a lot of times, like, you know where you need to go and you can like match up the letters really easily. It was harder to do that with Chinese characters. And I have Google Translate, which helps. Like you can like take a picture or hold the camera up and it'll, you know, translate it in real time, but it didn't often work. Uh, and I understand uh, why I don't see as many Chinese travelers out alone, whether usually in large groups with their own translator, because I was like, eh, it could be stressful. So I feel bad for them. Like we should have more signs for everybody everywhere. But uh, I liked that they were friendly and clean, you know, just um, just couldn't understand anybody. Yeah. So in my research of China, it seems like there's mixed feelings with tourists. Some people highly re recommend it. They think it was very cool. It was, a, it was an incredible culture shock. <clears throat> and it's overall like a very cool place to visit, especially for maybe a more adventurous traveler. And then other people seem to like hate it. It, it because it's difficult, um, because of the, you know, politics there, you know, compared to the United States, they're communist country, they're yeah. very strict with their people, they don't, you know, there's a lot of regulation, I don't, it, it's, so I'm getting mixed feelings on what to expect, uh, overall, like, I'm a pretty open person, and I think I'm going to enjoy it when I do eventually go, whenever that is. I think um, you would be fine then, I try and, like, not find America everywhere I go. Right, right. Um, I, I, when I was 20, I studied abroad in Australia and I remember having a difficult time because I wasn't expecting to have culture shock because they spoke English. Uh, um, but everywhere I went, I was like, well, in America, we do this. In America, we do this. In America, we do this. And I was like, why am I doing that? Oh, I should just stay in America if that's what I wanted. So, you know, when I was 20, we're all idiots. So mm -hmm. now that I'm older, um, I don't do that anymore. I just accept the country for mm -hmm. what they are and who they are and whatever they give me. I understand. And uh, I try and just appreciate it for what it is. And I wish there was like a passport for people who like don't care about politics. I mean, right. I care a little bit, but I don't judge people. I just want to see things. So like I want to go to North Korea too, but I don't want to get in trouble. I was actually going to ask if you've been there yet. You have well, not. Technically, I went over the line in South Korea uh, on the DMZ. There's like a building mm -hmm. that straddles the line. You can like get on the side. And you're like, hoo, 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 I'm in <laughs> yeah. yeah, you get back over. Yeah. But I don't think that counts. But I do have a bill from it. I like to collect money where I go. And I do have a bill from North Korea. It was in the South Korea gift shop. That one, so I don't know. It works. <laughs> we won't tell anyone. I also don't know if it's real. But who, who would know? Who would know? Everybody listens to this. So there are dozens of them. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not like out of time yet completely, but we are like in close to wrapping up. So I want to ask you, I want, I want your favorite country that you've been to. And I know that's a hard one. And then I also want your least favorite country that you've been to. Ugh, I don't think you're going to like one of these answers. Okay. Uh -oh. I think my favorite one ever that really surprised me and just, I was just shocked at how much I liked it was probably Jordan. Um, probably because I hadn't put any thoughts into it at all. I just wanted to see Petra, you know, check, just wanted to see my wonder of the world. And mm -hmm. I found a tour that was a good price. I usually, I don't always do tours. Um, I do tours in places where I feel like logistics would be difficult, like with limited public transportation. Um, so like Jordan doesn't really have like a train system or a bus, you know, good bus system. So that's why I did a tour. Um, but I went there and just like every day I was like, this is so cool. Oh my God. And you never, you know, know it. And they were so friendly. And my guy joked about, uh, they had to be nice. Cause he's like, look at our neighbors, you know, cause they had, you know, Israel's over here and Saturday was over here and everybody hates us. And we're just like, Hey, you know, so they were nice. Um, I've been raving about that country to Elliot for, for a while now. Decades. Oh, so good. For decades. Okay. Yeah. I, it's, I also stayed in a bubble in the desert. So. Oh, I saw that on your website. Yeah. Yeah, yeah those things look awesome. Yeah. But I also really loved Argentina. Argentina. I feel like Buenos Aires is like where I could like retire. And I don't usually repeat places, but I've been to Buenos twice now and I'm going again in November. Um, so I love that one. My least favorite, you know, is Italy. What? Really? Now, is it because of over tourism? A little bit of that, a little bit, uh, it's mostly like the train and the transportation stuff. It's like every time I go there, they're just like on strike and it, it's kind of like, I don't know, I didn't feel like they were as friendly or like they were like too friendly, you know? Interesting. Um, 
It's That's kind funny. of like, it would have been Paris, but Paris is in the country. Because the rest <laughs> of France is lovely. But the Parisians, like, I'm just like, you know, bonjour. And I'm like trying to use my French. And they're like, just use English. I'm like, oh, it's <laughs> to get better if you guys don't let me. Right. Uh, Italians, you know, they're, they were nice. It's just, uh, you know, I just probably had just too many times that my train got canceled trying to get to Pompeii. It took like three times. And then it like, it was canceled three times. And then it was delayed. And it finally went. And then halfway down to Naples, it like stops for no reason and then just randomly goes and I get to Naples at 5.50 and Pompeii closes at 6 and it's like 40 minutes away so I was like just got back on the train and went back to Rome. I wasted the day and then another time there were protests in Rome and then like another time I got on the train and they're like you're on the wrong train and they made me get off the train and like at midnight uh, by myself on this like random station like one station outside of Rome and it was like totally abandoned except for like pallets and pallets of car batteries. And I, you know, was just like, what do I do? And luckily, you know, nice people helped me, but I've had the most rough times in Italy. Wow. And you think that a country that got so much tourism would be more understanding towards tourists? Well, I mean, I think some places are tired of it. Like I know Barcelona's over the tourists too. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I find it funny that, you know, you who have, you've been all over the world and your least favorite country is probably most people's like only country. Some people that it's the only country they go to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm so well, for, for some people that it's the only country they go to, it's their favorite and their least favorite. It's beautiful, but it's, um, I don't know, the train. Yeah. Yeah. And my mom well, tried to warn me, but I'm like, oh, mom, you don't know what you're talking about. And then I was like, well, I mean, and I can imagine that, you know, you are someone who's been to, you know, Mongolia and Jordan and Argentina, and then you end up in Italy. And from what I hear, even like walking around Venice can feel like you're in an amusement park. Yeah. Um, with the amount of tourists there, you essentially don't even run into Italians other than the people working the gondola, which can be summed then, up as a ride, essentially. It, yeah. And then sometimes like the, the, the tourists, uh, because people want more money so they rent out their places for airbnb and then locals can't even live there anymore and that's right that's sad too um i mean prague i thought was wonderful but then i went to estonia this summer and it was like a baby prague and there's like no tourist traps or anything it's just like now i'm in the 17th century like walking around in this you know actual old world you know, now, do you do you think you would be able to have that perspective if you did not go to those cities? Like, would you be able to, you know, so so would you be able to enjoy Estonia without going to Prague? Like, would you have to oh, have a yeah. negative experience in Prague to say, like, no, this is better? Oh, I wouldn't know because I, I wouldn't have said that my experience in Prague was negative. I mean, I feel like if I didn't travel so much, I wouldn't have a problem with Italy. But because I've had so many other positive experiences places. I mean, even places that I, I mean, I had my passport stolen in Switzerland and then I got that $280 speeding ticket there. So like you would think I wouldn't like Switzerland, but you know, one of those was my fault. And the other one, <laughs> yeah. maybe still also my fault, but uh, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, Italy, it's just like, it's just like every time you, it probably boils down to like expectations, you know, I'm expected to like Italy and versus these other places that I don't really know that much about because people don't go there. I don't really have those expectations. So I'm like, well, let's see how it is. And then it ends up being wonderful because, you know. Now, would you at least recommend that everybody see it? Like, you know, so, oh, yeah. yeah. So seeing the Coliseum and seeing Venice are still They're the high on your list, right? Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, Bob, to your point, I think there's a... <laughs> progression that people go through when they travel like for people that don't travel very often they're going to go to the major tourist sites because that's where there's the most information available where there's the most experiences that they are able to talk to with friends and family if you're traveling for the first time ever you're likely not going to go to latvia or estonia you're right. not. lithuania right but you should um, and I, think, I mean, it's one of the things I tell my students when we're, when we're like, why do we have to learn this? And one is like, well, you're training your brain to learn things that it doesn't want to learn. That's an important life skill. But also like, there's just common knowledge that we should all have together as like humanity. Like we should all know some things together. And I feel like that's kind of the same for travel, like London, Paris, and Rome are the classic three European capitals. Like what are you going to do? Not go to them? Right. <laughs> you should still right. go, even though I feel done with them at the moment like I, I don't feel 
like I need to go back, but I would never not go back. Yeah. Last question. Okay. Which is the, which country do you still have lingering that you have to get to? Oh, like. That you've never been. What's a, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Where have you never been that you have on your list that. That's, that's a tie. And they're both like, I just, I don't know why I just haven't gotten there. Just, just hasn't panned out. Just um, because like I said, I take students abroad over the summer. So I kind of like, well, since I'm, you know, doing this, I do this. So like I was in Finland this summer and that's why I did the Baltics and everything. So it wasn't like they were higher on my priority list. It was just a matter of convenience. It was like, oh, like a $20 ferry ticket versus like hundreds of dollar flights somewhere else. Cause I want to go everywhere. So why not just go as it's convenient? But the two that I'm just like, oh, three. Okay. I can only pick one. No, you can do three. What's your top three? Um, I really want to go to Chile. Uh, I want to see the Atacama Desert and I want to see Easter Island. And I've been trying to pack that in like the last two years, but just things have been coming up. I really want to see India, even though I know my stomach's going to hate me and I'm just going to have to eat French fries the whole time I'm there. (laughs) But I want to see the Taj Mahal. I keep hearing it's like sinking and, you know, I'm always really worried about over tourists, like blocking off our ability to see places. And then I want to go to Brazil, especially now that it's visa free. Which one? What was the last one? Brazil. Brazil. You haven't been to Brazil yet. No, I kind of want to like sneak in there before they decide to start charging us for the visa again. Cause it was really expensive. Cause I was going one year, but then it was like really expensive. And then I heard they were switching to like a $30 visa. So I was like, Oh, well I'll do it then. And then they're like, Oh, never mind. It's visa free. So I kind of want to. Or our our politics right now is very very much aligned. They're buddy buddies. So yeah. yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I went to Cuba when our president changed because yeah. I'm sure that was going to pan yes. out for too long. Yeah. So I snuck in there under the wire. <laughs> so did you say you're going to Buenos Aires again in November? Yeah, I'm going in November uh, before I start my uh, Antarctica cruise. Okay. Are you going to do Brazil or Chile with that trip or are you going to postpone until another time? No, because I got that whole like job thing, you know? What? So. I'm gonna like go to it oh. so I uh I'm like already having to take like three days off work and my boss isn't being very gracious about it so um I'm still trying to find a, a way to like sweet talk him into letting him me have those two days off because otherwise I don't get paid for it so right. I don't want to lose that money well we have greatly enjoyed talking to you this evening before we let you go can you provide we already you already mentioned your website but can you provide your social media handles for people to follow you on your trips uh well my instagram is flight of the educator uh pinterest is flight educator and facebook and you know internet is flight of the educator all right flight of the educator on flight of the navigator i don't know if you guys saw that movie a long time no I feel like I have to now. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's about a a boy who gets uh, kidnapped by an alien who just wanted to like see something and he put him back. But uh, because of space travel and everything, they put him back in the same age, but everyone else had gone forward like 15 years. And so Hmm. then he's this little boy who got to like navigate this like cool spaceship. And I thought that was so cool. That was like my go-to movie, that and the three ninjas strike back the second one. (laughs) I'm going to have to add that Flight of the Navigator to my list. It's Um, so good. Pee-wee Herman's in it? Yeah. Oh, he's the kid? Now I have to see it. No, he's the voice of the the alien spaceship. Oh, okay. 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 Sarah Jessica Parker's in it. Oh, this is getting fun. Yeah, yeah. It's a throwback. It's a throwback. 1986. Well, well, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for giving us good information. I'm really looking forward to using your website. I'm going to use it for Italy, even though it's your least favorite country. I'm assuming there's good information there. There's um, actually no information on Italy on my site. Oh, all right. Well, then I'm going to But you that. can still email me. I'll still hit you up with all stuff. Right, I just right. don't well, have, like, good pictures. I, that was I, a college trip. I, we'll definitely stay in touch. I'm looking forward to following your travels, and maybe we'll, we'll do this again sometime. Totally. Thanks for having me. So she is someone with a wealth of knowledge on world travel and hopefully a lifelong friend of our show. Based on her social media posts, she's currently planning a trip to Antarctica. And so we will be following that closely and looking for her final budget because I know, Elliot, yeah. I want to see that breakdown. Right. You and I have been throwing around the idea of going there. And it's sort of, I, I think after this conversation, like, what are you thinking? Is it, is it next up? Would you rather do a trip through Patagonia and then maybe ultimately Antarctica over China? I think so. I think so too. 
I think yeah. that's what I'm leaning towards. So I mapped it out. Um, you know, if we want to go into Buenos Aires and then down towards Antarctica, it's like a 40 hour drive. What? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a big country. So it's long. Uh huh. And so we would need to figure out how exactly we're going to do that. We might have to reach out to Carly for helping uh, us plan that. Yes. Yeah, you'd want to hike a lot of it, right? Yeah. So to go to Buenos Aires and then hike in Argentina and then still include a trip from, you know, the southern tip of Argentina to Antarctica, that's a long time that you have to be gone. It's probably three weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know if you would do it's like a maybe a, a road trip through Buenos Aires. Um, I mean, through starting in Buenos Aires down through Argentina and maybe just like getting out for day hikes. Yeah. But really have the primary, have the, to. the bulk of the trip would be in the car driving, hmm. you know, I don't know. Well, sure. We'll, we'll figure out the details. Yeah. And uh, Carly if, will help us out. Yeah. She's listening, I'm sure. And uh, we'll be reaching out. Uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so give us some ratings. We really love to. And, you know, we have not announced any new ratings recently because we haven't received any. I will say, I do want to thank Ariel Alvarez for reaching out. She texted me the other day and absolutely loved our Cuba podcast, our newest one. Oh, nice. And she's trying to plan a trip down there, and she was like, it just was so helpful. Yeah. And it's nice when we get little texts like that. So thank you for listening and tune in next week. Bye.